Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Now, uh, the distinguished professor, Daniel Kovalik, is one of my favorite American writers. He's a human rights and a labor rights lawyer, a prodigious author, and I am the proud owner of several of his books. I wanted to talk to him about the Cuban Missile Crisis anniversary. Daniel, thank you very much for joining us. I'm glad to see you're a young man. You didn't lie quaking in your bed. Uh, but uh, when you look at the history of what happened, it was a close-run thing, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yes, it was, and it is something we can learn from. Uh, you know, the people, the experts tell us that it was the closest the world has come to a nuclear war, and I think that is true. Uh, you had the two superpowers, United States and the Soviet Union, you know, um, stand, in, in a stand down with each other over nuclear weapons uh, being put into Cuba by the Soviet Union. Of course, though, we have to remember that this was at a time that the U.S. had nuclear weapons stationed in Turkey and Italy, not so far um, from the Soviet Union. But of course, most in the West don't focus on that. But in any case, uh, the U.S. was not quite is quite as tolerant of the nuclear weapons being put into Cuba as uh, the Soviet Union was of, of of the U.S.'s nuclear weapons in in uh, Italy and Turkey, um, and the standoff could have resulted in nuclear warfare. In fact, there was an order given at one point um, by Soviet commanders uh, to launch an attack upon um, the United States, or at least on a U.S. Navy vessel. And it was really a, um, a, a lower-ranking Soviet officer that refused that order and prevented um, imminent disaster. Now, uh, there were people uh, pressing Kennedy to go nuclear. Uh, there were generals and also members of his cabinet. Uh, to what extent uh, was Kennedy's statecraft, diplomatic skills, uh, one of the reasons why we didn't go to war. Well, I think that he does get a lot of credit for those skills. As we know, um, he used Bobby, his brother, as an intermediary with the Soviets. Bobby extended an offer to the Soviets in which, uh, which would allow everyone to save face to some extent, really mostly the U.S., but essentially – uh, Bobby Kennedy told the Soviet ambassador that if um, the Soviet Union took the missiles out of Cuba, um, the U.S. would quietly take the nuclear weapons out of Turkey and would not – which were, by the way, a bit obsolete anyway, but he also said they wouldn't put modern missiles in. 
and that essentially, therefore, there'd be a quid pro quo, but one that the world wouldn't know. The world would not know that the Turkish withdrawal was in return for the Soviet withdrawal. But in any case, this was a deal uh, that the Soviets could live uh, live with, and this helped uh, end the the nuclear you know stand down, which lasted a total of 13 days. Let's put it in context, uh, Daniel. Uh, the reason why Cuba wanted to have uh, the deterrent capability uh, on the island was because the United States, having completely refused to accept the Cuban Revolution, had in the Bay of Pigs uh, staged an invasion of Cuba. Yes, well, that's right. And, 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 and of course, uh, Castro was concerned of a bigger invasion to come. He was concerned that the U.S. was not done with him. And, and of course, as we know, the U.S. tried to assassinate him over the years over 600 times and do all other sorts of things to undermine him and try to overthrow him. So his concerns were obviously very rational, and he believed that a nuclear deterrent uh, would protect Cuba. And in fact, one of the parts of the agreement that Bobby made with the Soviets was that the U.S. would not invade Cuba if the missiles were taken out. So to that extent, um, the Cubans also got something they wanted out of, first of all, the, the placement of the missiles, but also their removal in return for that agreement. Now, you rightly said that Kennedy gets a lot of credit uh, his, uh, by historians and, uh, and, uh, and journalists, the first draft of history as we know. But uh, surely some credit belongs to Mr. Khrushchev, who doesn't get much nowadays for anything. Yes, well, it's good you point that out. I mean, you know, history, at least as I was taught it in the United States, was that Khrushchev blinked, right? That uh, Kennedy stood him down. Khrushchev lost heart, blinked, and retreated, you know, with his tail between his legs, uh, when in fact uh, what happened was that Khrushchev did maintain a cool head, was open to negotiations, and took the missiles out in return, you know, for a, uh, an honest uh, deal. So yeah, Khrushchev did not want a war with the United States, just like Kennedy did not want a war with Khrushchev. And yeah, so Khrushchev also has to be given credit for helping maintain the peace during that time. And in fact, well, it has to be pointed out that, you know, Fidel Castro was very disappointed that Khrushchev was, you know, took the missiles out without his approval. And I understand certainly from Cuba's perspective of that. But I mean, again, Khrushchev should get the uh, a credit in the save for being willing to do that in the interest of the greater good of humanity. Now, what does this mean for us today beyond being uh, the subject of uh, some great movies, Kevin Costner and so on? <laughs> uh, it, it matters surely uh, thus, that uh, the West had nuclear weapons in Turkey and in Italy. Uh, the Turkish ones were withdrawn and not replaced, but today, we have uh, the U.S. Navy and the British flagship, uh, the aircraft carrier, Queen Elizabeth, and uh, all kinds of military hardware, and no doubt under the water, nuclear-armed submarines uh, in the South China Sea. 
Right. The Chinese are not sailing off San Francisco uh, with, uh, with, with nuclear uh, missiles. The Russians are not moving their uh, nuclear weapons uh, onto our lawn, but we do it regularly. We have had nuclear weapons in uh, the former socialist countries, uh, in, in particular Poland, uh, and uh, we could at any time uh, move uh, further uh, nuclear hardware very, very close, just as close as uh, Cuba was to the United States. Turkey has, uh, is a border country. Poland uh, is a border country. Uh, the, the laxity nowadays about uh, military maneuvers and exercises, and as we know, every war is uh, at first presented as merely an exercise, uh, it, it's all very dangerous now. Yes, well, and, and again, yeah, we have to, as you say, we have to keep a few things in mind. The U.S. currently has nuclear weapons in Turkey, right, which was a big bone of contention back then. It still has nuclear weapons in Turkey, in Italy, in Germany, in Belgium, and I believe the Netherlands. And yes, up till very recently, there have been discussions about moving weapons into Poland. If, as you say, if, if, if the Russians had analogous weapons in Mexico or Canada or the Caribbean or South America, the U.S. would not stand for it. Um, and so one has to realize this: these are very provocative acts. We also have to realize that NATO has troops up to the Russian frontier. Again, in a way that the Russians do not have troops up to the U.S. frontier, which again would be unimaginable. And so I think people of goodwill in the West have to call for the United States and for NATO to take at least a step or two back to prevent a confrontation with Russia that could lead to nuclear war. I mean my fear is – and if you look at some of the things being said by think tanks in the U.S., um, is that there are some people in the United States and leadership that want a confrontation with Russia and or China. This is the height of insanity. And it is one of the biggest issues confronting humanity. In fact, the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists has moved the nuclear clock to three seconds before midnight, believing that we're actually now as close or closer to nuclear war as we've ever been. And we need to pay attention to that and we need to prevent the worst from happening. And all of this is in flat contradiction to the promises made by President Reagan, not exactly a, a Russia friendly figure, uh, the promises that he gave to uh, Mr. Gorbachev in their walk in the woods. Uh, President Reagan promised that NATO would not expand to Russia's borders, uh, that there would be no such provocations as are now an almost daily routine. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Yes, well, and, and then those promises were reiterated uh, by Secretary of State James Baker, who was Secretary of State under George H.W. Bush, who promised NATO would not move one inch east of Germany if the U- Soviet Union allowed the Berlin Wall to come down. And of course, the Soviet Union did that, and no sooner was that done than NATO began moving east towards Russia and again now up to the frontier. And so uh, it is the West that has violated its agreements on this issue. It is Russia that has every reason to feel threatened and encircled. And therefore, it's up to the West if we want to prevent war, again, to take a step back and to stop these types of aggressive maneuvers. Now, here's a question, Professor. Um, When you think of the fierce partisanship displayed by the Democratic Party against Donald Trump, Uh, when you think of the extent to which his defeat and Joe Biden's uh, success was painted as opening a new era uh, for America and for the world. As I look at American foreign policy under President Biden, I look from Trump to Biden and Biden to Trump And I can see no material difference between the two. What say you? Well, I agree. And to the extent there is a difference, I would honestly say that while I am not a Trump supporter and I actually voted for Joe Biden, that Trump showed more of a willingness to deal with Russia, at least initially before he was pressured into not doing that. He showed an interest in even dealing with North Korea in a way no other president was willing to do. So to the extent there are differences, I would say Biden is more aggressive in his foreign policy than Trump, and that should be of great concern. You know, and the problem in the United States, you have this bipartisan system, though, you know, if your guy does something, it's by definition okay, and if the other guy does it, of course, it's by definition bad, even though, again, in this case, Trump had some good instincts in that regard, instincts that sadly were very much uh, uh, critiqued by the liberal establishment. So what does that tell us, that, uh, that Biden and Trump are two sides of the same coin, or that there's another government somewhere? I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but uh, the continuity of both men's foreign policy makes me suspicious that neither man was actually really calling the shots. Well, I think you're absolutely correct on that. And again, that's not a conspiracy theory. All we have to do is go back to President Dwight D. Eisenhower, who was, of course, the supreme commander of the ally, Western allies in Europe, who said as he was leaving office as president, that even back then there was a military industrial complex that was being built, that was running U.S. foreign policy, without civilian control. 
And he warned of this danger, and he warned it would grow even more if not checked, and it was never checked, and it has grown to proportions now never seen before in world history. And we now have foreign policy and military policy being dictated by a small group of people, some in government, some in the military, but many in the private defense sector who decide to go to war without the consent of the people. And I can't think of anything more dangerous to this world. Of course, for the avoidance of doubt, the politicians could say no more war. Uh, the problem, to some extent, is that so many of them are bought and paid for by uh, the donations of the companies in that military-industrial complex. Well, that's all true. Though, again, and again, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theory, but there are some thoughts that when John F. Kennedy wanted to say no more war and to get rid of the CIA, that uh, that might have led to his ultimate demise. So I think people that are invested in war are willing to go to great lengths to ensure that war continues, and that is very troubling. Indeed it is. Professor Daniel Kovalik, thank you very much for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. Always a pleasure to uh, see you. The podcast had another incredible week with a rise of 14% in total downloads. That's on top of last week's 10% increase, making us not only one of the fastest growing political programs on screens and on radio, but now in podcasts too. We're now one of the top political podcasts, not just in the UK, but also in Switzerland, Japan, Germany, Thailand, Taiwan, and believe it or not, the UAE. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And why not leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts? If you're a Spotify user, please follow us and share with your friends so more people can enjoy most. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 